Hey there, Valley Sports Talk fans. Eric Sorensen here, joined by Sammy and John. We're about to get into another great episode. But for you guys not able to see us right now, John, Sammy, comfy as heck. But why, what, guys, why are we so comfy right now? I'm sitting in thinner furniture. Absolutely. Um, this episode would not be possible without Fitterer's Furniture. I got a good night's sleep on my bed from Fitterer's. Uh, I'm sitting on my brand new couch. Well, brand new before the coronavirus from Fitterer's. So where are they at? Corner of 4th and Main or they're in my living room right now. Absolutely. And both of you look like you're about to fall asleep because you're so comfy. Uh, go ahead right now. Check them out. The store's temporarily closed. Do this whole thing. But please stop at their virtual showroom at Fitterer'sFurniture.com 24-7. Give them a call at 509-925-9828 for information and quotes Monday through Friday, 830 to 530. Thank you, Fitterers. Without you guys, this wouldn't be possible. All right, fellas, let's bring on our guests and start this show. Last one. Hey, Valley Sports Talk fans, back for another episode of your Kid House Valley Sports Talk episode. I am Eric Sorensen, joined here by Sammy Henderson and John Gudak. Guys, it's good to see you. Seems like it's been forever since we've done this. We were doing this once or twice a week, and now we're every like three weeks. And I'm going through withdrawals. I know. It's weird not seeing your face every day. I know. I hate it. And uh, I see you know where you got your haircut, John. Yeah, because you're yeah, winning the well kept battle. You're I not the admit. only one. Whoever whoever did it broke the law too. <laughs> I'm just gonna say I did it myself. Did it myself. <laughs> yeah, looks good, bro. So Luke's not here because he's off doing whatever a Luke does on a Sunday. But uh, we look forward to having him back next week. But episode 31, the Greg Maddox episode, the dude's a legend. I'm just putting it out there. Legit. He was my favorite player for the time because Braves were America's team because they were on TBS every day I got home from school. Mm-hmm. 100%. TBS, that's right. So we're going to go ahead and yeah. bring on our guest this week because I'm sure he's got something to say about this. We, we built it up today on the on the social media. We're so pumped to have him on. Tony Quirk, Ellensburg Bulldog, Central Wildcat alum. Tony, thank you for joining us. Yeah, absolutely, fellas. I uh, appreciate you having me on. Um, I've had the pleasure of listening to not all 30 of the previous episodes, but I want to say at least half. And um, I think it's cool what you guys are doing. And as a fellow podcaster, I, I love the idea. And I, I know what it is. It's, it's a lot of fun just hanging out with your buddies, talking sports and talking shop. So glad to be on here. And I think right now, especially, uh, <laughs> we all need this. <laughs> yeah, quarantine yeah. shut down. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, before we get into the hard-hitting questions for you, Tony, I just wanted mm-hmm. to put out that one about Greg Maddox. This is a Greg Maddox episode. You guys heard the story about he had a – an X amount of walks in his career and he had four games left and he had three away from reaching that number. He didn't want to reach in the last three games of his career. Not one walk. Really? Stud. He, he's got all kinds of crazy stats. I want to say he's like below a 2.0 career ERA, which for how long the guy pitched and for a guy that didn't throw heat by even today's standards, you know, pretty, pretty remarkable control mm-hmm. for sure. I heard a pretty funny interview by him. No, well, it was uh, Scott Boris, his agent, and he goes, you know, Greg Maddox was a good guy, and he, when I needed to call him back when I didn't answer the phone call, the voice message was just a big belch. He would just belch in the phone, and he'd be like, I got to call Greg back. Uh, so, Tony. Yes. Talk us through your path from the young Tony Quirk to what led you to Central Washington University? Well, do you want me to start all the way back on October 17th, 1986, year of our Lord, or fast forward a little bit? Just don't leave anything out. <laughs> don't leave anything out. <laughs> no, you, you can make it. I want to go into the 80s. Mid-80s. Uh, well, I mean, I was born in uh, Pullman, Washington, while my dad was going to school there. Um, and then it was real brief, um, our time there. And then spent time growing up just outside of Ann Arbor. Um, when my dad was doing work for University of Michigan and Wayne State. And that's kind of where I fell in love with the University of Michigan. They're my favorite mm-hmm. athletic department, favorite university. And I'm a much bigger college sports fan than I am pro sports by, you know, a substantial amount. Um, 
but then I uh, also moved to Minnesota after that and went, I think it was like fifth grade through sophomore year high school. And I moved to the Kittitas Valley in the, I want to say summer of 2002 or 2003, I think, and uh, finished up at Eberg High and played three sports there, baseball, basketball, football. Um, we didn't, we didn't win a lot of games on the football field, but, uh, had some great coaches and, um, honestly, you know, coach Appleter and coach Reeves at the time are probably the main reason I ended up being a football player in college. I was, uh, fancied myself a much better baseball player than I was and loved the game a little bit more. But, um, you know, after playing in Ellensburg for two years and, uh, starting to get recruited out of there, um, you know, kind of decided that football was going to be my thing and ended up choosing Central Washington University, which had, you know, many years of memories to come after that decision. Cork, uh, I, I remember, uh, so back in my day, um, before I'm at where I'm at now, I used to be the sports editor for the Daily Record. And I remember Coach Appleter telling me about this big Midwest kid uh, I, I really do remember this conversation. And if I remember correctly, um, uh, it, it was it was just really cool to, I mean, Affolter was ready to embrace you. I mean, what what was it like coming from a from from the Midwest to to Washington State in terms of football mentality, in terms of um, uh, fan interaction? Uh, was it a nice change or was was there some getting used to? You know, I, I think the biggest difference was the style of play. Uh, growing up in the Midwest, you pretty much saw wing tee or power eye type of football. And then I actually came out uh, before I made the decision to move with my family out to Washington. I came out to Central's football camp to play with Ellensburg. And, you know, all of a sudden it was all these, you know, West Coast style kinds of offenses, uh, uh, you know, didn't have like necessarily a lot of the big, kind of corn-fed <laughs> type of offensive lineman that I was used to seeing back there in the Midwest, but definitely a different style of play. Um, but, you know, the energy is the same. The love for the game is the same. Um, and, you know, going to that football camp kind of solidified me moving out to, uh, to Ellensburg. You know, I thought the competition was great. And, um, you know, we had a lot of had a lot of good pieces at the time. Um, it just didn't all always fit in place. And, you know, we were playing back in the Mid-Valley League then too. So it's not the same. You know, we were, I think we were 3A at the time. So competition level was a little bit different. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I remember clearly pulling up in the Ellsberg parking lot to get my pads and Apple and Reeves were standing there. And it was, it was game on right from then, right from then. And, you know, I, I still talk with Coach Appleter probably every other week. And so he not only was a coach, but he's been a mentor and, you know, now kind of a friend and confidant. So it, it was a great decision for sure. When I think back uh, to time with you, Mr. Quirk, all I can think about is your family. You had a big family here in Ellensburg and three sisters that played college volleyball. Your dad rides 170 miles a week, it <laughs> seems like. Mm -hmm. And you come from an athletic family. I want to know who's the most athletic of all the Quirks. Chloe. Yeah, my older sister, Chloe, she played volleyball at North Dakota State and then was the assistant coach under Mario for the volleyball team at Central for, geez, I think 10 years or so. But uh, yeah, hands down, she's probably the best athlete. Um, I like to say I'm the most decorated because my team's won the most. Um, I got a couple more state championships and uh, three, <laughs> three uh, GNAC rings and um, also never lost to Western. Um, so something nice. that my sisters at, <laughs> on the volleyball team can't say. So <laughs> I like to say I'm the most decorated, but Chloe is the best athlete for sure. So with with that answer, to me, um, there's got to be is it a is it a healthy rivalry, a healthy competition uh, it, amongst the 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 siblings and 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 your parents as well? What what are family get-togethers like in terms of? um like support or or drive or 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 camaraderie you know i i would say it's healthy uh depending on how long we're sitting at the thanksgiving table but um <laughs> you know it, it, we we always supported each other like crazy and um you know it was i think the, the what really kind of defines our family dynamic as far as uh the athlete and the the you know 
being a brother or a sister. You know, uh, Chloe had to coach my little sister, Caitlin, at Central for five years. And watching them kind of build a relationship that was, you know, had to be very divided between, yes, you're my coach, I'm your player. we got to figure a way to keep the sister stuff aside. Um, and watching them kind of build that dynamic and watching how Caitlin kind of embraced it and Chloe embraced it. Um, and there were some, there were some times that it was tough for sure. And, you know, even as a, as a fan and as a brother to both of them, I was sitting there like, well, why isn't Caitlin playing? Why aren't they setting her the ball? Chloe, what, what's going on? <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but no, I, I mean, at home, yeah, it, it can get heated at times, but at the end of the day, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm the most decorated, so the conversation can't go too far. <laughs> you have to drop the mic. Oh, yeah, I well, well I didn't lose the word. Sure. <laughs> but, no, I mean, both my parents were college athletes, you know, and like you said, all three of my sisters as well. So um, it, it, it can get a little heated at times, but for the most part, it's just good, good fun. And, um, you know, when we get together, there's always football, baseball, volleyball, something on TV and everybody gets into it it's just a blast and you know love love them like crazy and um was really fortunate to be able to watch them all three of them play a lot of volleyball throughout their careers so that actually leads me into another question quirk of of uh you know um obviously i don't talk to them uh well at all anymore but i remember in the conversations that i would have with them um in the past you you talk about like you seeing your your siblings play your sisters play and and i know that your parents seemed like if they missed anything it was very very rare that they would miss one of your games or one of your sisters matches and stuff so going looking up in the stands or or seeing them on on a on a long road trip what is that like i mean that is a family that supports each other so uh i i am i wrong i mean i if there was games that your parents missed it had to be few and far between yeah, very few. And uh, even at the time when my sister Chloe was playing at North Dakota State, you know, halfway across the country, um, there was always at least a family member um, from there in the Midwest or one of my parents at her games and, and likewise for mine. And, you know, my little sisters kind of got drugged through the gauntlet on a lot of that um, while they didn't really have a choice um, when they were younger. But it, it was it was incredible. You know, it every game getting getting to hug your mom and dad afterwards and, and celebrate with them or you know talk about you know little things that you could work on it, it was it, the amount of miles that they put in from the time Chloe and I started playing athletics to when my sisters finished up I, I can't imagine the mileage or the amount of money that they spent to make sure that we had those opportunities and just forever forever grateful for their for their efforts for sure Absolutely. Talk to me about. Go ahead, John. Oh, uh, go, go John. Ahead. No, uh, all right. Uh, talk to me about. Um, you know, senior year in high school. Was there any pull to maybe go back to the Midwest to play ball, or or was Central one of your, um, you know, top uh, choices? You know, Central kind of came into the game late. Um, I, I had some interest from some of the some of the schools that we ended up playing against back in the Midwest. Um, you know, I, I went to, to high school in Mankato, Minnesota, which is where Minnesota State University is. And so I'd already had a relationship with their football and their baseball program. So definitely had some interest there. Um, I'd sent, you know, film to all the Big Ten schools I, I dreamed of playing at. Um, and then some Pac-10 Pac, Pac back then um, schools. And, you know, I was getting some interest from the the lower Division One stuff, a lot of Division Two interest. And um then central kind of came on late and it, one of those decisions kind of what you're talking about with the travel and my folks was do i want to go back to school in the midwest or do i want to see my parents at every single game and you know and 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 go to a program that at the time in the early 2000s um you know was winning a lot of games had a lot of great coaching so it was it was it ended up being a really simple decision of do i want to go to a d1 or a d1 double a and maybe not play for four years and you know like at the time uw and wazoo were going like oh and 12 <laughs> like do i want to be on a team that's doing doing that or do i want to play division two see my family at every single game and win a lot of games and be very competitive and um that's what it came down to and you know i, I made the decision with coach zamberlin at the time sitting in uh, my living room with my parents 
um, after Ellensburg game. I can't remember who we played that night, but uh, it was a basketball game at the time. But I committed to him in the living room and never looked back. Your new sofa doesn't need to look like everybody else's new sofa. Let the professionals at Fitterer's Furniture in Ellensburg help you design your own Bassett Custom Upholstered Furniture. Your sofa, your way. Exactly what you had in mind when you started shopping because you took the short drive to visit Fitterer's and found the furniture you've been looking for, along with great service and free delivery. Why wait? Fitterer's Furniture in Ellensburg. Quality furniture since 1896. Check us out online, too. Fitterer's. Talk about your time at Central. I mean, I know it's such a cool place to go to school, and you played in such a fun era of football there. But just kind of talk about how uh, that went for you. You know, it, uh, I've, I've gotten that question a lot, and you know, especially from people that have asked, you know, what's it like going to school where you went to high school um, at the college level? And honestly, you know, I think you could even say the same thing, Eric. Where it's it's a totally different world. You don't you don't really realize that you're in Ellensburg when you're so, you know, immersed into the athletic department and you know when we actually went to class. But uh, <laughs> but you know it's a totally different type of mentality just being on the campus as, as as you know you know you don't really feel like you're a local kid when you're there um, just because everybody's there from different backgrounds and everybody's going and having a great time and you know competing. Uh, but it, it was a blast, you know, played for three different head coaches, which I think really spoke to the type of kids that we had on the team. Um, and it really spoke to the assistant coaches that kind of wrote it out through all three of those, uh, specifically John Pika, um, you know, just a staple of, of the university and the athletic department in general. But, you know, seeing the turnover at the head level, at the head coaching position, you understand the movement. Um, you understand that a lot of people probably don't aspire to just stay a division two head coach for their entire career um, and it's a business decision and so you you, you kind of nod your head and say you know someday I'm probably going to have different job offers that I'm going to entertain and take so you just have to look at it as a business decision um, and try to not let it hit, hurt your ego you know it's like well that guy recruited me and is he is he leaving because I'm not good enough or something like that <laughs> um, but I like I said I mean we just had such a great group of of, of leaders and support staff in the athletic department and um, kind of those assistant coaches and you know won a lot of games saw a lot of different states and a lot of different teams <laughs> at the time but uh, just had a blast and you know wouldn't wouldn't trade it for anything and the amount of friendships that I gained that are going to be lifelong you know probably are way more important than any game that we ever won for sure. I think that familiar I mean, face in the athletic or in the football you know of coach Pika that dude mm-hmm. man we got to have him on one of these days because. Oh, you guys would have a blast. He's, he's a hoot. Yes, he really is. <laughs> and that guy will forget more, more football than I'll ever know. I mean, that guy is <laughs> central. Um, and uh, he is, I mean, it's a cliche, you know, bleeds crimson, but that guy has gone through a ton of changes, uh, seen some highs and lows. And, and he just, he, whenever I see him around town, he still waves at me like I'm still some, 23 year old kid from the daily record with stupid questions for him and stuff. So, uh, good guy. Good guy. Oh yeah. Great guy. For sure. You say you talk, you, you seen a lot of States, a lot of players, a lot of stadiums. Um, uh, who's, who is the favorite team to play against? Ooh, favorite team to play against. You know, obviously you got to throw Western up there. Um, even though we didn't get to play them my senior year cause they cut their program. But, um, those games at Seahawks stadium, um, a couple of those games when we were playing the back and forth, um, you know, up there in Bellingham or in Ellensburg, uh, definitely different, uh, really enjoyed those. And you know, what was fun too is because the, you, there's just so much, so much, not, not turnover, I guess you could say, but, everybody that played for central got recruited by Western and likewise. And so you really got to measure up um, yourself against those kids in the state. And, um, you know, obviously we had some people come from out of state too, but the core of those teams were Washington kids. And, you know, what was nice about being at central is that I had a couple more Eastern Washington guys and there was always a, um, a little bit of, you know, 
jabber that the west side had better players than the east side and you know so when we would go over there and stick it to them with guys from odessa and (laughs) and ellensburg and spokane and some of the small 1a schools that we had you know guys like buddy wood all-american linebacker came from medical lake middle of nowhere you know we had a lot of those guys that were going you know against people that thought they were pretty pretty special being blue chips and you know these star recruits that ended up going to Western and then we'd go up and pummel them. So it was, that was always fun. But I think my favorite game would have to be uh, my senior year. We went to Minnesota Duluth and they were coming off a national championship and we took them down 13 to 10 after a, a really long road trip, a two week road trip, um, which is a whole nother story, but um, national TV, I had friends from high school there. I was playing against some guys that I played against back there in the Midwest um and we just we went up there and it was probably the most physical game i had ever been a part of everybody on both sides of the ball basically got dragged out of there on a stretcher and it was just high flying high impact good football um but yeah i walked out of there with a 13 to 10 win and went on quite a run that year so you that that story is another story in itself and we're going to talk about that because as a fan and all of us can remember that from different perspectives i can still remember watching that game and Duluth was the big, bad, you know, defending champion. And you guys played in Mesa, right? And busted to, like, in, in practiced a few days in one of the Dakotas, I think. Or yep. I, I, you know it better than me. And I still remember watching it on national TV thinking, holy beep, <laughs> we're legit. Yeah. Um, can you take me through those two weeks? And, and was there a realization at any point where you're thinking, wow, this is something here? Yeah, and, you know, how the trip went is that we flew to Mesa, Colorado um, and played Mesa State, and we were starting, uh, I think he was a redshirt freshman quarterback, Ryan Robertson, who ended up having a great career at Central. His first start, um, there was some really good quarterback competition going into the game, and um, it was kind of a last-minute thing. And, you know, Mesa was tough, but we just couldn't get anything clicking on offense. Luckily, our defense was out of this world. Um, and we kind of stumbled out of there with like a seven to nothing victory, I think. Um, and then got on a bus and we drove from Mesa, Colorado to Duluth, Minnesota and stopped. I think we stayed at South Dakota School of Mines and we practiced there for like two, maybe three days. And, you know, A, you got a hundred stinky football players on two different buses <laughs> driving across the Midwest in the, in August um probably didn't have ac but you know on the offensive bus it was a blast because all the offensive linemen we played cards probably the entire time and every once in a while some of the coaches would come back and try and get it on the card game um but you know those those long road trips were one of those things that you when you really look back at your career those are the things that you remember quite a bit um but yeah two weeks on the road Drove all the way from Colorado to northern Minnesota, got a victory, had a four-hour bus drive down to the Twin Cities, slept in the airport that night, and then got on a flight early the next morning and flew back to to, uh, Seattle, and then obviously had to come all the way back to Ellensburg after that. So by the time we got back to Central, it was like, man, I forgot I even went to school here. (laughs) Besides wearing the colors. (laughs) Haven't seen this place in so long, but... Yeah, that was that was a road trip to remember for sure. At what point during that season were you thinking, I mean, did you know coming in that you guys were going to be good? Uh, I mean, no disrespect to Robertson, who had a great career, but he replaced mm-hmm. probably one of the greatest quarterbacks Central's had. And, and um, I mean, what, what was the mentality in early August compared to the mentality uh, after the second game of the season? You know, I, I think going through kind of two a days in those first couple games, we really knew that um, our defense was going to be good enough where we had time for the offense to figure it out. Um, and we knew that we had a good enough running game that we were going to be able to eat clock and rest the defense. We knew we weren't going to put up 40, 50 points like we were with Mike. Um, it just wasn't kind of in our cards that year, but um, we had a bunch of really good running backs and a really good offensive line and just kind of changed from a lighted up West coast team to we're going to ground and pound you. Um, but I think what really turned the season when we really went, okay, we've got something special here is when 
uh, we were playing Western Oregon um, in Seattle, and I think we were down like 20 to nothing at halftime. And yep. went into the locker room, and nobody was phased. Everyone was just like, hey, we got two more quarters. No big deal. And, you know, not, not a single person in that locker room didn't believe that we were going to come back and win that game. Um, and then, you know, had some big plays on, on the defensive side uh, in that second half. And if I remember right, Rolsma kicked like a 45-yarder to win that game. Um, and he was – he's not your average kicker, I can tell you that. I think he's probably got more forced fumbles than some of the best linebackers who have ever played at Central. <laughs> but uh, I think that, 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 that game in Seattle was really the turning point of like, you know, A, we've got something special, B – this is one of the most resilient teams that I've ever been on. And uh, that really turned that season around or not necessarily around. I mean, we're undefeated, but really, really gave everybody that mindset that, you know, it's going to take something, somebody really special, special to knock us out. So I'm not, uh, I wasn't on the field with you quirk, but I remember <laughs> that game very vividly and I am comfortable enough in my manhood to tell you that, you had two guys named John Goodett and Sammy Henderson in the press box, sweating and hugging and <laughs> high-fiving. I'll never forget that game. I mean, I don't know what it was like on the field, but as a fan, I oh, yeah, I, I still remember that very vividly uh, going into the locker room. And you guys say you were, never, you were not phased. I mean, what a team to have that amount of confidence knowing, okay, you got a bad app. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, thirty more minutes to make it up. I mean, I, I mean, that's just that's just a, a camaraderie and a teamwork that not a lot, not a lot of people can can experience ever. I mean, that that was just such a magical team. That game yeah. was amazing. And I think it just kind of shows what we were talking about earlier. When you know, when you have a hundred some guys that have gone through coaching changes, gone through, yeah, and seen some of the greatest players to ever, you know, come through Nicholson Pavilion. Um, and you just kind of have that standard of this is what we do and that's when football games and we're going to be the toughest guys on the field. And, um, you know, it, it's cliche, but you don't let outside things interact with what's going on in the locker room. And, you know, we just had a, we just had so many guys that had played 40 plus football games by the time they were seniors that, you know, there wasn't really – a situation that we hadn't seen before. So, you know, like, like I said, we just kind of got in that locker room and everybody went to their little meetings and just put our hard hats back on and went out and went to work. And what I loved know, about, go for uh, it, I was going to say what I loved about that season was uh, like, as you said, coming off of Mike Riley, you guys scoring 40 plus points. You've got a red shirt freshman quarterback. You've got a senior transfer. They're kind of fighting for time go into detail about that we could but uh I thought it was impressive as how was it frustrating for you the offense as you said kind of chugged along all year kind of barely did enough every game sometimes not even enough because your defense was that good was it frustrating to be a part of such dynamic offenses to come into this year where you're a senior you're the man yeah and to kind of struggle how what, what was that like for you yeah, you know, it was it was tough at times, and we had a young center playing at the time, too. So, um, you know, when you're the, – the starting of the offense is a redshirt freshman center and a redshirt freshman quarterback, there's a lot of nerves in that exchange, let alone what else is going on in the game. Um, so there was, there was just kind of that, you know, this team's going to be different. We just have to find different ways to win. We, we, we just don't have the – the the long you know the long yardage threat that we had had in the past um we're gonna have to be a little bit more methodical about how we go about things and so yeah absolutely it was frustrating at times because as much as you know offensive linemen and o-line coaches say they love 90 yard drives that take 12 minutes they don't (laughs) it's really hot and it's a lot of gear to wear and it gets really tiring but uh you know we just you just had to keep trying to, you know, provide some type of insight and some and some type of motivation to those those younger guys that were on the squad, and um, they did a really good job of just, you know, taking in all that information and making plays when they had to, and 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 you know, 
thank God for that defense. <laughs> a, a, a quick question. So that defense, I'll say uh, that was 09, right? Yep. 09 defense and 2017 defense is the two best defenses I feel mm-hmm. Central's ever had. Um, how much attention did you pay to 2017? And how do you think that they measured up to what you guys brought on the field in 09? Ooh, let's see. I, I came back for that Ferris State game this year where it was, I mean, what, each team, it, it was like 140 points got put on the scoreboard or something. Um, but you saw glimpses of why the defense was good. Ferris State was just loaded. Um, but, you know, I, I'd, I'd seen – I'd. You know, I'd seen Billy Greer doing his thing for so many years and, um, you know, saw some of the the, uh, the defensive line had a definitely like a, a similar appeal to it and a, and a, you know, kind of the, the eye test to it. You had some really big, strong defensive interior guys. You had some kind of flashy hybrid DNs, um, linebacker types that flew around. Um, had really strong secondary with some hard hitting safeties. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that the 09 team would have would have mopped them, but uh, <laughs> but no, you, you you know when you, it's it's hard sometimes when you look at it from the stands and you go, man, those guys look little, and then you go down <laughs> and stand out next to them on the sideline and you go, okay, you're just being biased. Um, you know, it. I think that uh, Central's done a really good job of you know continuing to recruit guys who are going to be three and four year projects and turning them into dudes. And then obviously you're going to hit the hammer on the head a couple of times with some guys that are going to contribute right away. But um, I tell you one thing, I'm super, just super jealous of their all black uniforms. Those are nice. <laughs> Those things are clean. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, a lot talk of similarities for sure. Talk to me about the, the difference between, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, uh, I guess during your time and and the 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 talent or the athleticism now or, or what is it that that coaches and teams are doing differently today that wasn't really trendy or wasn't really done during during your time? I mean, even though you're not suiting up every day, I mean, you're still attached to football. I mean, can you mm-hmm. are there major differences? I think the style of people that you see in the trenches has changed quite a bit. Um, you know, especially especially at the tackle position. I mean, if you watch the NFL uh, combine this year, you got guys that are six five to six seven, three hundred plus pounds, and they're running under a five second forty. Um, and you just sit there and you go, "How is that possible?" And then they're going out and jumping thirty plus inches. You know, with these just just the overall athleticism. Uh, I think it's just the, the the type of pool of athlete that they're going after is a little bit different. You know, they're not saying, "Hey, we just need a big plug." that's going to take up space. They want guys that can move, that can run. Um, so I think you, you, as far as like a recruiting standpoint, you'd look at tight ends that are probably going to be tackles. You look at tackles that can play center or guard. Um, so you just have that athleticism that's on the edge in their high school career. And then you kind of morph them into the trench players that you want them to be. And I think that's been a big difference. Um, but you know, there's, there's some technique stuff that's just different too. Um, Teams are more, you know, approaching how to uh, use double teams and, you know, pull differently and just the, the pass pro is different. And honestly, the pass pro is probably a little bit easier with without being able to touch the quarterback at all. You know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be as physical up front. You can play a little bit more games with your guards and your centers um, to just give those guys enough time to get the ball out and with how fast they're getting the ball out too. Um, it's a little bit, a little bit different up front as far as an offensive line position goes. But I mean, it is, it's, it's clear that in the last 15 years, the type of evolution that you see in the weight room and the way that these athletes are able to take care of their bodies now, it's substantially different. So what, uh, what was the biggest, uh, you know, you talk about the difference between your time and, and today, what was the biggest difference between senior year in high school and your your freshman or first couple of years at, at Central? Where, where, I mean, can you be honest? Were you smacked in the mouth a few times? Was there a few reality checks? Oh, big time. Yeah. Uh, funny story about that is that um, I played tight end and D-end and a little bit of tackle at Ellensburg. And when I was getting recruited, it was 
the offensive line thing didn't really come up too much. So I kind of figured I was going to be playing defensive end or tight end when I got to Central. So the first day of camp in 2005, there's a big team meeting, you know, whole team's in there, all the coaches. And uh, Coach Amberlin's kind of given the breakdown of how the day is going to work. And then he goes, all right, everybody head to your individual sessions. And I was standing there and I'm like, well, I don't know which meeting room to go to. <laughs> nobody told nobody told me what position I was playing. So I just followed the as Coach Stranley at the time. I was like, I know he's the D-line coach. I feel like I, I think I'm going to be a defensive lineman. <laughs> so I went and sat in that meeting and he turned film on and he looked over the crowd and he was just like, what are you doing here? And, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm defensive end. And he just started laughing and basically pointed me out in front of everybody there. I was like, this guy thinks he's going to play defensive end at Central. What a joke this guy is, you know? And so I had to hang my head in shame, walk around the lobby in the PE building for a few minutes until I found the offensive line um, session. And then I walked in and, you know, got in trouble for being late to Coach Pika's first meeting as a true freshman. So that was awesome. <laughs> I think I started off my central career doing extra conditioning because I was too dumb to realize I was too slow to play tight end. <laughs> Good on you, though, because I've ran into many freshmen who would have quit that day because of that. Oh, yeah. 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 And I mean, that I was, was probably tough. It was tough. And you know, it, it, hurt, it hurt my pride a little bit that day, but my pride got hurt a lot more when I was 220 pounds and trying to play offensive tackle. And uh, that, that, that fall freshman year was rough, was definitely rough and um, ended up gaining quite a bit of weight over the winter. And then, you know, come back in spring ball and you can kind of hang a little bit and you start going, okay, football's not so bad anymore. Football's kind of fun. But yeah, that that's uh, you know, you it, it's football. You're gonna get tagged in the mouth no matter how good you are. Um, pro bowlers get lit up all the time. But uh, you know that that first transition of that first fall on campus, there was definitely some days walking back to your dorm room going, "What am I doing here?" <laughs> but you know, sign that sign that letter of intent. And with my folks, there wasn't really a decision. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're sticking it out for five years because you're getting free tuition. So <laughs> yeah. stop being a baby. <laughs> Eat some more cheeseburgers and gain some weight. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You know, talking about the D2 route and and the way I'm gonna say this, people I hope no one takes offense to this because the way I see things, it's you know, and not in the way of the levels, but it's you know, you kinda like the minor league of baseball and the fact of you're traveling on buses. You don't have the big commercial TV deals. You're not getting the latest gear or whatnot. I guess you guys probably did at football. Baseball, we were at the bottom of the bottom. So, uh, yeah. But anyways, you know, just how much fun was it being a part of the you know this type of program? And like you talked about, the bus trips were long. But when you got – looking back now, I miss that. And yeah. talk about that. And then also maybe some funny stories from along the road and, and playing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think the D- Division Two experience was – was phenomenal and uh, central did a good job of taking care of us for the type of budget that we had, you know, even, even when we would go to other stadiums or, you know, go to other, um, you know, see other teams traveling on the road. And we felt like we looked a little bit ragtaggy and they had the, the cooler stuff, but then we'd go pummel them. So, you know, uh, it, it is what it is, but, you know, I think that the, the division two experience um, is a little bit more lifelike in a way that, you know, especially with now the conversations about paying division one athletes and you just kind of, you understand it when they're talking about using the likeness and the universities and NCAA are making a bunch of money off them. But then another part of me goes, you get these million dollar locker rooms, you're getting all this free Nike gear, you've got all the free, you know, just for practice, then you're getting free stuff just for being on the team. You get stuff when you go to bowl games, you, you know, you're getting probably some of these, you know, big division one universities tuition, $50,000 a year. You're getting a, you know, you get a free place to stay, you get free food and you start looking at all this money that they're already spending on these athletes. And you look at our situation where it's like, Hey, here's a two Arby's burgers and no, sorry, there's no sauce. Uh, we'll be home. We'll be home in 12 hours. You kind of sit there and you look at them and go, eh, "Let's let's ease up a little bit on this. Pay the player type of conversation." But, but you know that's 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 part of the 
appeal in my mind too is that you know you're you're not going to be a full scholarship athlete you're going to have to work hard in the classroom you're going to have to make sure that you're still committed to the team and 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 doing the things that you want to do so that you can play um and i think that the you know the the idea of the student athlete definitely carries a little bit more weight at the division two and below level than it does at the division one level i can still remember coming home from I don't know where in California, and it was Sacramento at seven o'clock at night. Thinking, we're going to Ellensburg today, <laughs> tonight. Yeah. yeah, and oh my God! But, but yeah, man, it was such a fun experience getting to just be a part of something like that. I, that. Well, I think you know, it, it, especially with the bus trips, there's there's so much of the country that I wouldn't have seen um, if it if it wasn't that way. You know, I I have yet to go back down through the redwood forest since football has been over, but I got to drive through that multiple times going down to play Humboldt. And yeah, those 13, 14 hour bus rides got long, you know, especially after the game, because it was a seven o'clock game and we'd get on the bus at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And then, you know, you'd wake up back in Ellensburg or something. And the only fun part outside of seeing the Redwood Forest was stopping in Oregon because the dollar menu was truly at a dollar at McDonald's. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like I, like I said, you know, there's, there's parts of the country that I never would have seen. There's, there's when you, when you're on that business like type of trip where you just get on a plane, get off the plane, go straight to the stadium, play, and then you get back on a plane, it, you, you lose some, a lot of experiences and you lose a lot of time really getting to know the guys on your team and, you know, being hunkered up at an airport for 12 hours waiting for the next flight back to Seattle, you know, you spend more time with your coaches too. So um, a lot, I think the relationships are a lot different and, you know, I, I had an absolute blast all five years that I played at central. I know you, uh, you're not always the biggest fan of flying, but who was the, who was the least favorite person to sit next to on the airplane? John Pika. That's I, I remember that story. That's why I asked. He would mess me. (laughs) He would mess with me constantly. He would find a way to make sure that during takeoff, he knew exactly where I was and he'd be doing stuff like this, (laughs) you know, (laughs) crashing in and, and, you know, he'd like hold his, hold his fingers to his wrist and be like, check your pulse, you know, or uh, I think one time he actually even hit, he found out where I was sitting on the plane and got on before me and hid the seatbelt. So I couldn't find it. Um, so I was sitting there trying to get, you know, ready for takeoff and I'm freaking out and, you know, I got no seatbelt. I got no seatbelt, you know? And, uh, actually one time the, I'll tell you a funny story about a flight. We, uh, we played Grand Valley State the year Bo Baldwin was here in Grand Valley. It was the coldest game I had ever played in. Um, and after the game, we got our butts kicked. And I think they went on to win the championship that year. Um, they had a player, played for the Cowboys forever. David Carr, cornerback, I believe his last name. Or, I can't, last name was definitely Carr. But anyways, he, he ran all over the field on us. But we had to fly from – the Grand Rapids, I think, to like Detroit afterwards on this, or no, we were going Grand Rapids back to Yakima was the flight. Um, and a snowstorm hit right there on the edge of Lake Michigan. So we get grounded on the flight for like seven hours and they won't let us off the plane because the de-icing fluid kept freezing and they had to keep de-icing the plane, which I, I still don't understand how de-icing fluid freezes that cold, <laughs> but you know, like two or three times the, the, they had to de-ice it. Another time the engine died when we were like pulling out away from the gate. So, you know, we're, we're, we're fresh off getting our butts kicked. We're not allowed to have any booze on the plane. <laughs> and we're stuck on the flight for like six hours before we even take off. Finally, we take off, fly the like eight hour flight or whatever it is. And we get about an hour away and the Yakima airport's closed. So we go into the airport completely blind nobody's there even working it <laughs> and the Yakima had gotten a snowstorm that night too so it was basically just like wheels down let's give it a ride oh no <laughs> and as soon as those doors opened everybody peeled off the plane it was freezing but it didn't matter I think I was wearing flip-flops and a tank top and I was like I'd rather be cold than stuck in this metal death tube any longer <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, funny stories like that, that you just, you cherish more than a lot of things that you do during your athletic career, but man, that was an awful night. 
So it sounds like Pika was uh, maybe mean to you in, in a good in a good natured sort of way. Who was the most uh, who was the most difficult guy to travel with? Not like calling somebody out as a jerk, but like who's the messiest? Who's the loudest? Who's the uh, most uh, um, high maintenance or something like that? Uh, and I mean, you get to know those guys quite well. Um, uh, did you always travel or, or room with the same guys? How does that work? Usually, uh, um, we would, you know, have a roommate. It was typically your, somebody from your position group. So I, I never had any problem with anybody, um, as far as an O-line perspective goes, but as you might expect, the skill players were a little bit diva-ish. <laughs> so it was always interesting getting on the bus or, you know, traveling in between these games and traveling two games and, Sometimes wide receivers thought it was necessary for them to have their own row of seats, which was laughable, <laughs> uh, considering considering an offensive lineman took up two to three seats at the time. So, you know, or they thought that they got to pick the uh, the movie that was being played. That was usually a, a, a fun fun interaction as well. But yeah, definitely the wide receivers, quarterbacks, running backs were uh, probably the most difficult to travel with. Especially I when remember, they took, took more sandwiches than they needed. Hey, I remember traveling <laughs> to to Montana with you guys when we went. You guys went and played Montana. Should have beat Montana. Two thousand eight, uh, baby. I remember it, it was hell of a game. A lot of there's a lot of bus trips that I took, but that one I remember because I was terrified. I was on an offensive bus before we left the Nicholson parking lot. The entire offense line had their shirt off. <laughs> Standard and procedure. I'm like, what what the hell is going on? And yeah. we're getting, man, I forget. I think we were near Spokane, and all of a sudden there's just a chant of OCP, OCP, <laughs> OCP, and it gets louder and louder. And I was like, what the hell? I mean, it was about to erupt. These offensive linemen, man, I tell you, they're in the back of the bus doing whatever the hell they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, you definitely had to have a password if you wanted to get your way to the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was it was a rule. There was if you're an offensive lineman, no shirts allowed. Um, you had to play cards. Um, if you fell asleep, it better have been during the um, predetermined nap time. Otherwise, you were probably <laughs> probably in for it <laughs> a little bit. But uh, yeah, belly beats and OCD chance. I mean, what else, what else are you gonna do back there on a bus for twelve hours and at what, a time? And what was football's rule about the bathroom? You no number twos. No twos. Yeah, I think that was universal on a bus. Yeah. That, did yeah. that always happen? No, but, you know, <laughs> it, it had to be a very – they had to plead their case. <laughs> it wasn't going to be an easy route. It wasn't going to be an easy route, and it, it really came down to who was ever at the very back of the bus. There's that three-seater right there next to the toilet, you know? Yeah. And they were kind of the champion of the bus. Like, they're the baddest of the bad. So whoever had the three-seater made the ultimate call. And there was a lot of people under 200 pounds who left very upset <laughs> because they didn't get to use the bathroom. <laughs> Quirk, we oh, keep on firing questions at you. You better got another one. You talk about the Grand Valley game, and it didn't go the way you wanted it to. But you guys earned your right to play Grand Valley by knocking off if correct me if I'm wrong, the number one team in the land, Omaha, the week before, and I remember, uh, I remember listening to that um, on the radio, and yep. just, I, I, I mean, do you remember much of that game? Uh, I mean, I was just absolutely thrilled that you guys hit your stride at like mm -hmm. the, the actual perfect time, late November is when you want to be playing ball. You know that uh, that Omaha game was was pretty special we uh i want to say we were down 14 maybe 20 points in the fourth quarter and um they had um just the the biggest and most frustrating defensive line in the world because they just kept rotating these six six guys at one after another at every single position on the d line so you know from an offensive line standpoint it was it was a long day of just fresh legs and really big strong guys that you had to play against but, um, you know, we scored, we scored late that brought us back. Um, and then we, I believe Brandon Stout had a punt return or a kick return late that kind of put us over, over top. And, um, you know, what, what, what was 
not funny about that game, but right after that game, they had been to the D2 playoffs, I think like 15 years in a row. And they cut football and wrestling a week later um, and moved to the division one ranks. And it, 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 it kind of blew up that, that community and that university because, you know, I think it, it, Nebraska, if, if I'm, if I'm right, only, it only allows one division one football team and that's the Huskers. Everybody else has to be below that. Um, so they, when they chose to go division one, they cut two of their most successful sports to kind of go that route, uh, which was sad because, you know, o- Nebraska Omaha was a staple of the NCC before that disbanded. Um, and they were just kind of a staple of that level, level of football. Um, and we had some, I think we played against them three or four times and every single game was a dog fight. Um, but yeah, we, it was definitely going into that game on their home turf, uh, there in Omaha, we're the kind of the young guns at the time uh, coming up to the D2 ranks and what a blast that was. I had a bunch of family from, from Iowa and the Midwest back there at the game. Um, and, you know, like I said, down 20 some point around 20 points with, I want to say like three or four minutes left and just pulled it out of nowhere with some big plays defensively, special teams wise. Um, and if I remember correctly, I think my mom was the daily record correspondent for that game because you guys <laughs> couldn't fly anybody out. So I think she actually wrote an article about that trip because um, she was doing, she was working for the, the newspaper at the time too, I believe. Um, yep. So definitely, yeah, man, I totally forgot about that game before you, you brought that up. I was still just kind of licking my wounds from that Grand Valley game. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they had a they had a guy too. I can't remember his name, but he transferred from Nebraska, where he was a tight end, and he played Zach Miller. Zach Miller yeah, that yeah. Um, played yep. for the Bears for a long time. He was yep. their quarterback, um, and he was one of those guys when he when he was running around on the field, you went, he's different. You know, he yeah. he's, he's probably doesn't belong here, and he's going to play on Sundays <laughs> for sure. And he did <laughs> for a long time. Talking about different guys, uh, um, you know, I know Mike Riley wasn't, you know, the second coming of Jesus or anything like that. I mean, it's a it's a complete well. team that's on that field. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, could you tell that um, that guy had the talent to to play on Sundays or at least play in the CFL? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's kind of funny when when I got to campus, he. Uh, he he, had, he filled out a lot when he was at Central. Um, he was just kind of this long string bean type of guy with big mop hair. And um, I was, you know, you know, you walk out on the field the first day and you go, that's their starting QB, huh? And then you start seeing him throw the ball and you go, okay, he's, he's different than the other guys that we have playing quarterback here for sure. And then it, the dude, you know, honestly, he gave a lot of our offensive staff headaches and even us as alignment sometimes because he was just so fearless um, as far as running the ball goes but he took a lot of hits that he probably didn't need to um, and there's a multiple times where he was trying to get out of sacks and got out of them to make huge plays and other times that he wore it pretty hard <laughs> yeah. so you know it was always in the film room it was always like we got to make sure he's not running for his life because he's going to try and run somebody over uh, he was just that type of athlete you know he didn't never wanted to say die um, which you know as an offensive lineman you know you you want to respect your quarterback and you want to see that fearless look in his eyes and Mike had that and he definitely had the talent to back up what he said um, and saw him and Spivak and countless other guys make you know some pretty phenomenal plays through, through our time but yeah he, he definitely had that that uh that it factor and you know it shows in yeah. his stats and it shows in the longevity of his career um you know getting getting a chance to play briefly in the nfl and then what he's done uh, up in canada um and for people that knock canadian football they don't understand football because that is that's good competition yeah. those are good athletes those are good players um and it's it's fun to watch too you know it's, it's a little bit more explosive the difference in rules is is kind of kooky at times to try and follow but at the end of the day um to to play at that level it's football you're getting paid to play high level football it's it's really impressive and you know I think what's nice too is that his success opened up a lot of uh doorways for guys from central guys from the GNAC um I think division two 
football in general here in America, you, you look at those rosters, there's a great deal of American players that, um, you know, aren't drop downs from Ohio State that are hanging on for their life up in Canada or something. These are these are guys that have, you know, put their work in and are, are proving that Division two football can can translate to the next level. Yeah. Well, Tony, as we uh, start to wrap this thing up a little bit, I want you to talk about where, what you're doing now. Because I know that if you guys are looking for a good podcast to listen to and need a good laugh, get yes. on the West Coast Clydesdales. <laughs> yeah. Talk about yeah, that. Yeah. So um, how do I start this? <laughs> <laughs> so a little over two years ago, I was, I was just kind of bored with what I was doing in the weight room and everything and um, was looking for something different. And had started seeing these uh, Facebook ads for triathlons. And for some reason, I kept clicking on them. And then, of course, you know how Facebook algorithms work, that the more you click on specific topics, the more you start to see it. Um, so I kept getting getting hits on it. And finally, I, I, I signed up uh, for the Lake Stevens Triathlon two years ago and really didn't have any idea of what I was doing. Um, I thought I knew how to run. Didn't. Thought I knew how to swim. <laughs> Definitely did not. Um, I was okay on the bike, but that's about it. And ended up calling uh, one of my buddies that played football briefly at, at Central as well on the offensive line, Drew Hill, and was like, hey, man, do you want to do this triathlon with me? And we just kind of dove into it. And two years later, um, we've been running a podcast about being big and not your typical kind of triathlete type of guy. Um, it's called West Coast Clydesdales. Um, it's, and you, you guys know how it is. It's just so much fun to just kind of hang out with your buddies and talk sports and talk shop. Um, and it's, it's just been a blast and, it, and it's taken off from there too, where we kind of went from hanging out in the basement, you know, started getting guests on. Um, and then as, as we've continued to do these races and, um, you know, I think we've done four or five triathlons now, a couple half marathons. Um, and some other kind of shorter running races. It's just a, a totally different side of the, the athletic world that I didn't realize kind of existed. Um, and it's, it's been so much fun um, being part of not only our kind of core group of people that do these races, but being part of a pretty cool company called Wahoo Run um, that was started by a former central uh, volleyball athlete, Carly Dobbs, formerly Carly Marble, and uh, her business partner, Christy Thomas. And um, they do anything from, hey, you want to uh, just have a more structured walking program because you want to get out of the house to they train people who compete um, at the professional level running. You know, they go to Boston, they go to Chicago and some of these bigger marathons around the world. Um, and that's just been so much fun because there's a there's probably 20 former central athletes that are part of it. Um, so you get to kind of reignite those friendships and those uh, those relationships with that. Um, but just being in a, in a community where it's just a bunch of really, you know, people that just enjoy being active and wanted to find different ways to compete and you hold each other accountable. And every once in a while I get on the mic with my buddy and we have a couple brews and <laughs> talk about what we're up to, but, um, it's been, it's been, it's been so much fun. The podcasting stuff has been a blast. Um, and then just being part of this community has, uh, it, it's changed a lot of things for the positive, um, in my life. And. Uh, I would highly recommend anybody who's wanted to do a triathlon or just wants to be a little bit more active, maybe wants to get into running, just give me a holler or look up Wahoo Running um, on, you know, all the social media networks and, and give, it a, give it a look. It's a great time. That's so cool, man. That's awesome. Well, Tony. Former offensive lineman trying not to drown in the lake, you know. <laughs> That's right, baby. It's because your days at Central, you, you, you lasted. You kept afloat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, man, this, this has been a lot of fun. I haven't had to, you know, it's too bad we didn't have a mic on these conversations back when you lived in Big Country Studios. Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us today, and we really appreciate you carving out this time. And, and stay safe, man. We really appreciate you. Yeah, no problem, guys. That, that was a blast. It was good seeing you guys again. And uh, I'll make sure I let you know when I'm back in the Valley, and maybe we can hang out at the tab and do this the right way. Absolutely. We'll do yeah, it. Really. Get, yeah. get Drew here and we'll do a, a Clydesdale Valley Sports Talk I'd, episode uh, yeah, together. That. That'd so. be great. That'd be great. Awesome. Well, thanks, Tony. 
All right, fellas, I appreciate it. I'll see you guys around, all right? Yep, care. All right, Valley Sports Talk fans, we're we're back after that great uh, interview. I know that I personally needed that in our state of affairs in the world right now. And and guys, what was your takeaway from our time with Tony Quirk? I think the the one of the biggest things that um, I was hoping he would say, but he actually got more in depth on it uh, than I was expecting, was just his time and D two experience, um, and just how like D2, so you're thinking cross-country bus trips, all-night bus trips and stuff like that, and I might put a frown on somebody's face, but he looked at it very fondly in terms of that's where you really uh, build and, and uh, maintain your, your relationships, and, um, you know, and I know the both of you guys can attest to that, too, and, and uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't expect him to be so passionate about how important that part was, um, and then, you know, it was it's good to get a player's perspective on paying athletes to, to play and, and uh, kind of reining that in a little bit. And um, uh, that was, you know, that's that. And just, I, I love hearing an, uh, an ex-athlete talk so fondly about, um, you know, specific times or specific comebacks and, and uh, you know, players that he watches or, or just appreciating the talent that's out there. Those are my takeaways. I, I took away, I love his relationship with his family. And I think that plays a big role in how he looks back on his college career. Cause you know, you get a, you get a lot of guys who have the same success as him that just speak of their, their experiences completely differently, you know, had the same, you know, scholarship opportunities that, you know, don't look back on it the same way, especially when, you know, people that have been through three head coaching changes in your time. Uh, that's really hard. You get a lot of people who are really mad. Like, you know, like he said, uh, you know, it's a business decision. Um, you know, that's Tony, that, that's Tony Quirk now. And I, I believe that was probably Tony Quirk back then. He was that type of level at a kid. Um, I talk about a kid. He's a grown, 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 thriving adult. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, you know, having a, a sister that played D1 ball, parents played, uh, you know, I think he just, he understood. And I think that was very beneficial for, for someone that just have those people in your corner that, that can, you know, speak sense into your childlike emotions at the time. Absolutely. And it was a, it was a big blast from the past because during his era of playing football at central, we had uh, a really big presence of local guys. I mean, you had Louis Burketta, you had Mike Reno. I was playing baseball and, yeah. Uh, it was just so, and it was kind of a fun because all of our friends came back to school at the same time. And what a time to be a an athlete and a student at Central because that football team was freaking awesome. And I, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was great. I mean, honestly, the year, it was, it was the senior year when they lost here in the, was it the semifinals or the quarter? Too soon to bring it up, country, soon. but thanks for bringing <laughs> but, it up. But we were, it's been 11 years, but not long enough. I mean, I agree. I was still pretty heartbroken over that, and I can still hear the silence over Tomlinson, but. But I was yep. I was shopping plane tickets to how can I afford to go watch them play in the national title? They were that good. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You're, I was the same thing. I was a GA in the athletic department, and that's what I was like. I was like, Jonathan, I don't care. I'm going. Yep. I don't care what anybody says. You're going to figure. Out, I'm going. Like, I was probably going to sleep I'll, on the room and the floor. I John and I, there were times where we were like, "Are we just going to drive? Are we going to go?" I'm like, <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember plenty of conversations with John. You guys up for driving? Yeah. 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 And and we were we we openly. I mean. It was maybe said, but maybe not said. Either way, we knew that marriages would be tested, but John and Sammy were going to be together. <laughs> oh, we were going to sure. be there. <laughs> you guys probably wouldn't have allowed me on your trip because of my wild nature of that time of my uh, life. But uh, you, were always res- you were always respected by me. You I game. appreciate that. Yeah. I know yeah, my dad yeah, gave me the option welcome. that year. to go. Yeah, we're going to go visit your sister in Oklahoma, but if you want to go to the national title game, if they're going to get there, I'll, I'll pay for that ticket. And I was like, dude, dad, you just gave me an option that might cause. <laughs> and I know my sister listens to this, and I love her to death. I love you, Abby. And I know you're listening, but uh, I, I'm glad I got to go see her and, and my brother-in-law, Rusty, in Chicago. But, you know, I just – I got, I kept getting chills throughout that thinking about such cool times and such good times. And, and you know, you locals that are listening to this and, and knowing what the athletes at central truly go through 
And it's the time of the life. Like I, I would give anything to go on a 15 hour bus ride to Chico state and get my butt kicked in a four game series again. I would rather change the outcome, but I missed that camaraderie and what they did. Now I, one question I was going to ask him, but it was that we didn't, I didn't get the chance or I didn't do it, but uh, you know, that two week bus trip, how cool that would have been. I know they talked about going to the mall of America and, and all that stuff and yeah. building that team camaraderie and just so cool. And it's yeah, nothing builds a team like those road trips. Oh. I mean, I went on many with football, softball, basketball, uh, never with baseball, thankfully, but it was, uh, <laughs> you know, I got, even personally, I got to know a lot of the athletes that way. And, uh, it is when you get to, you know, you see people cry, you see people get hurt, you see people upset thing, you know, life still goes on on these road trips. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you get pretty tight. Well, that's, you know, I was having a conversation with a guy a couple of days ago and he was talking about his team and he was a coach and talking about family. And, you know, people always make your team and your family got to be this kumbaya. It's all you're getting skittles after every at bat kind of a deal. And he goes, but last time I checked, my wife and I go at it and halfway through our argument, it's like, hey, what are we doing here? Like, you know, building that family, your family's going to fight. And when you lock mm-hmm. guys together for two weeks on the bus in the hotel, they're going to fight. But the teams that have the success like this are the teams that by the time they get done, they're ready to go party again because they're like, you're yeah. my bro. And I referred that back to the other night and someone looked at me very odd when I'm like, you guys seen that movie Las Vegas where the, the Flatbush Five or whatever, and they fight each other. And then, but as soon as someone picks on them, that guy's getting the crap kicked out of him. That was central right. football during that era. Like they could pick on right. each other, fought each other. But as soon as an outsider did, mm-mm. Yeah. yeah, that went to show how successful exactly. they truly were. So, well, guys, thank you. That was, I, we needed this on this Sunday afternoon. And, and for us, you listeners out there, I feel like this episode's too good to, to keep just to yourself. So let's, let's go ahead and share this and let people know about this episode. And, you know, please follow us on Facebook at uh, Kiatas Valley Sports Talk, our Twitter handle, which is really good. I can't remember off the top of my head right now. And by the time I get done with this little rant, I'm going to have our Twitter, Twitter handle and you're going to get on there and follow us on that. Um, but no, please get on there at KV Sports Talk. Uh, if you can do us a favor when you get on iTunes, please rate and review. The more you do that, the more it shows up on people's feeds and they're able to able to find us and find out more about get this great, great kid at County. So, fellas, we got some new technology here, and I hope it works. But I really appreciate you two. I appreciate Luke. If you're listening, you better be listening. And thank you for another episode of your kid Valley Sports Talk. Thanks, guys.